Yes, hello and welcome to For and Against, where we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play, where we take sport seriously, at least sometimes. Paul Roach with you here, as always, and it's a big welcome to some very good friends and colleagues in Stephen Riley. G'day, Riles. Hey, Paul. Hey, Simon. Hey, everyone. Coming in from the alleged sporting capital of the world, and with me at Foreign Against HQ is Simon Johnson. G'day, Jono. G'day, Roach. It is a very serious show, this one. As is you it? said, yeah. We take sports seriously. Oh, yeah, the show generally. Yes, we, yeah. we take sports seriously. Sometimes. We're going to be serious? Oh, sometimes. Some, just sometimes. Uh-huh. Just sometimes. Per the logo, you know. You, actually, the winter hiatus that we had recently... Our little logo is, uh, I hope people realise, is based on Rodan's The Thinker. The Thinker, I hope, yeah. hope there's no copyright issues there. It's inspired by Rodan's The Thinker. It's been dead for a long time. We're okay. Yeah, okay. So I went and saw Rodan's The Thinker in the relevant museum in Paris. Nice. And I stood there beneath it and I thought, you know what you need? A green and gold scarf and cap. <laughs> anyway, uh, ahead in the show, football's World Cup shenanigans and various other goings on in the world of football. We'll dig into the list of the world's most marketable athletes as well as take a look at Netflix's first foray into live sport. And we do have a ripper from the It's Not Sport, But We Like It file. Stick around for that one. Uh, as always, we'll wrap up the show with red card, yellow card. Don't forget you can get involved in that by tweeting us or instring us, if that's a word. Any any sporting people's indiscretions that you might see using the hashtag RCYC. Uh, those social media channels are as follows, Twitter slash X. At for and against, with a little underscore at the end, but you don't really need to know that because it'll pre-populate and you'll know who, who we are when you see it. And on Instagram, for.and.against. However, for now, let's get into the show. Uh, yes, in football, so much going on in the world of football, I suppose, as there often, if not always, is. But let's start at the World Cup, the Football World Cup, that is, and... Have the Cricket and Rugby World Cups finished yet? It's, they just seem to go on and Rolling on, yeah. Rugby has. Cricket's still rolling on. Far out. And the news that the Saudis are in the box seat to host the 2034 Football World Cup. Jeez, FIFA loves a good despot, don't they? It's mm. a dodgy regime with lots of petrodollars maybe looking to greenwash their way out of a corner. The Russians in 2018. Yeah. yeah. What, is, what is Infantino's actual ambition here? Riles, what's, what's Infantino playing at? What's What's... What's he well, to do? I mean, once they uh, they did try to to be a major sponsor of the the Women's World Cup oh, here in of Australia. Course. Is it Saudi? Once that failed, they just thought they had to go Stuff direct. It, yeah. You know, weird putting your logo in someone else's country. So this this is the strategy. Yeah, bring yourself, bring everyone to our country. That's a good point. It's a bit of a long term play, though, isn't it? They've been sitting back waiting for their opportunity. Twenty twenty six is going to be U.S., Canada, and Mexico. 2030, they've got the uh, the grand plan of yeah. the World Cup on three separate continents. I wanted to bring that up too, but we'll come to that, yeah. Quite extraordinary, isn't it? So Morocco, Portugal and Spain are the, the main hosts, as I read it, mm. but Uruguay, Argentina and Paraguay are going to host a few of the opening games to mark the centenary of the first ever World Cup oh, in Uruguay okay. 100 years before. And Uruguay obviously hosted and won the World Cup in 1930. So... I mean, I don't know what the frequent flyer points are going to be like for Infantino traveling to, what is it, seven, eight, nine different countries? Mm. Unbelievable. He'll need a like a military-grade jet uh, that can do Mark III for that, that kind of thing. Plenty of sports washing, but I'm not sure you'll be able to greenwash those Olympics yeah. with the, uh, the environmental the impact. travel involved. So going back to the Saudis, I mean, they're an interesting beast because I, I sense that they have seen the writing on the wall, that the world is, the world is moving away from oil, and they need a new income stream. And so they've been quite deliberate and not altogether, you know, private about the their push into sport. 
So let's you know let's push aside for a moment the whole sports washing thing because you know the, whilst that's a legitimate discussion, it's not the point I'm making. So just have a bit of a think about things. So the, the live golf was the was a very big one, right? That's Saudi dollars. Sure, Premier League clubs. Premier League clubs, exactly. Gone fishing for the the World Cup here, the Football World Cup. And interestingly, actually, because I think Australia was a possibility because basically it's going to be in Asia. And Indonesia was initially partnering with Australia to say, hey, you know, let's let's have let's have a bid. And Indo yeah. has actually switched their allegiance to, to Well, I think Saudi it has Arabia. to be certain confederations. And so it can either be the Asian Confederation or the Oceania Confederation. Yeah, and we're a subset of Asia, really. The Asian Confederation have come out and said they'll support Saudi Arabia. So unless we go head-to-head... With uh, the Saudis, uh, mm. I don't think we're a big chance, and we're not. We don't have a great record with uh, bidding for and then hosting major sporting events. Given what happened with the Commonwealth Games recently, I think uh, maybe well, yeah. our name might be a little bit mud when it comes to bidding for these things. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a women's World Cup that, that went, went okay, pretty damn yeah. well. I gotta that say that was the exception. It's a good test of it. I don't think it's an exception. I mean, I think it's a legitimate point about the Commonwealth Games, us bailing out of that. That's probably um, tarnished our name on on hosting world big world sports uh, stage. Oh yeah, because you guys were all waiting with bated breath for the. You, you couldn't wait for the next Commonwealth Games. I, I don't think it's tarnished our name at all. Uh, I Not think at all. That, no, no. I think I think you're wrong, Steve. I think the fact that we stuck a hand up to host a, a, quite a significant sporting tournament and bailed out because for our own good reason. I mean that that doesn't happen much. Like sometimes a, a sport will take hosting rights off a nation because they don't see it being able to, to deliver on their promise. But for a nation that's perfectly capable of delivering on their promise to say, yeah, actually, it's getting a bit expensive. We'll, we'll, gonna, we'll see you later. That's that's uncommon. It is. I'm not saying it, it's not uncommon. Of course it's uncommon. But, you know, remember Victoria were trying to, you know, save the Commonwealth Games in the first place when they stepped in. And just you know, a lot has changed since, uh, since Victoria took it over. And I think they made what they saw as a responsible decision. No, I... I think when you look at Australia's ability to host a festival of sport, pretty hard to beat. Do I think we'll beat Saudi Arabia in in bidding for a World Cup? I do not. I think your point about Infantino is right. I I also am slowly, and maybe I'm just being sports-washed over time, (laughs) but I I also like to flip this around a little bit to just look at the power of sport to help drive some social change in, in some countries. I think Saudi Arabia is one where it is uh, it wants to open up. It's trying to modernise, change some of their societal rules, and this is one of the ways now, Prince to, to help, the, help the, the country change. The country needs to change. And look, uh, add the Formula 1 Grand Prix to the list. So the Saudis have been, you know, been very deliberate. Uh, and Aramco, which is the, the, the Saudi uh, oil company, you, know, you see their name being splashed around as a, a sponsor on lots of things as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it'll be one to continue to watch. Actually, just um, sort of diverting to a, a local news. So Danny Townsend, who's the former CEO of Sydney FC and is now also the former CEO of, uh, of the Australian Professional League, so the, the group that was set up to manage the A-League, our Premier League, as it were. So he's moving on to a new role in the Middle East. So Danny, you might remember, was instrumental in that controversial deal at granted New South Wales, Sydney, the A-League grand final for a number of years. Was it, was it five years? I'm not sure the number. I think it might be five years. So irrespective of who played in it, the A-League grand final was going to be in Sydney. Now, actually, as an aside, interestingly, that deal was was scrapped recently. Oh, right. Yeah, in return for uh, basically an A-League gather-round 
in Sydney. So, you know, a weekend where all games are going to be in Sydney. So I'm not sure who won out of that negotiation. But anyway, so one suspects Danny's new role will be quite handsomely rewarded because he is employed by the money pit that is Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, or PIF. Taking, taking the uh, petrodollars, Danny. He is. Or specifically, he'll be the CEO of SRL or SAJ. SRJ, I have sort of written both ways. SRL Sports Investment. Uh, which calls itself the emerging leader of sports investments in the uh, Middle East and North African region. Uh, so apparently, Danny will uh, lead that that firm's strategic direction and uh, you know driving organisation growth, local global sports investment sector, blah blah blah. So he might be good mates with Greg Norman soon if he isn't already. Sounds like a sweet gig. But again, so you know the Saudi is setting up a, a specific sports investment body uh, and and dragging in international talent to to help run it. Let's keep it local. I was encouraged to see that W League is reporting. Uh, is, is that the correct? Is this the A League, A League Women's? Yeah, W League. League I, think. I think it's W League. Sorry, I've been away for a while. It's a, I've got a bit rusty. So they're reporting significantly increased attendance at uh, at matches with the in the, the new season that started not that long ago. So as I say, surely basking in the glow of that highly successful Women's World Cup. Um, Central Coast Mariners versus Newcastle Jets had a crowd of five and a half thousand, which was a regular season record. And then the following day, I think it was, double that number attended the Sydney Derby FC and the Wanderers. Um, so those two games combined broke the attendance record for the, the opening weekend or the opening couple of games. So yeah, it's it's interesting that the success of the Women's World Cup, and surely you can only attribute it these these numbers to that event, has actually had some. Um, you know, some some lasting, I suppose, if you can call it lasting, uh, after only a couple of short months, uh, lasting effect. Bit of a sugar hit, but hopefully it does last, as you say. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is just that. But uh, Riles, did you get along? Have you been along to a W League game down the sporting capital of the world at all? I have not. Uh, I'm probably a little bit on the the cynical side here. No. I'm I'm wanting to see. Look, I, I think five thousand, eleven thousand is is a good start. Mm. But I was probably. I was probably hoping for more, to be honest, and I just feel they've missed a little bit of a trick in building up some of the personalities for the, the season. And I'm, mm. I was looking the other day, is, is there any coverage on TV? I've I got to say, I mean, I only looked for a little bit and I couldn't find it. And I, I feel we're missing an opportunity somewhere here. Yeah, look, I'd love to tell you I had a bit of a look for it, but um, I'm just going to play the I haven't been in the country for a little while card as, as my get out of jail free, I hope. Don't know either. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see if it's if they sustain it. Look, I mean, you look at the AFLW, they've had probably reasonably consistent crowds. They haven't really built on those numbers too much. I don't have all the data in front of me, but my perception, maybe I just need to say it's my perception that they get good crowds, but not really sort of, not building crowds. Not sure. Look, what I will say is I believe their memberships have doubled. Okay. Okay. And that's and and that's a good sign, yeah. right? You've, you've just got to get that momentum, not just of a, as Simon said, a sugar hit, a one-off game. You want people to sign up for the season and build a community. Yep, indeed, indeed. All right, well, we've covered a few bases there with uh, with football, so uh, let's park that for now and move on to the shootout. And uh, yes, the shootout where we try and cover a few more topics in slightly shorter, punchier fashion. Let's start with uh, the marketability of athletes. So an organisation called Sports Pro Media, I think they're based out of the UK, could be wrong. Uh, not Australian, I can tell you that. Sports Pro Media, they, comes out, they come out, I beg your pardon, with an annual assessment and ranking of the world's most marketable athletes. Now, athletes are ranked according to what they call their marketability score. 
Uh, and this score is derived from three components, brand strength, total addressable market, and economics. Just bear with me by, while I flesh them out a little bit, unpack them, unpack them a little bit. Drill down. Uh, yeah, let's do all those three, three things. Brand strength, it's about authenticity, risk, and reputation. I assume it's the risk of, you know, reputational risk of you associating yourself with, a, with an athlete. Uh, actual performance in sport, which is good. Presentation, momentum, each athlete's purpose, mission, and values. So there you go, athletes, no pressure there. Now, total addressable market is the second uh, component. This is about overall reach, attention growth. This is a very modern sounding terminology, attention growth. Social sentiment, I'm, I'm, I suspect that's social media sentiment. Audience engagement, etc., etc. Uh, now, the economics component, you know, market value and estimated worth, that makes sense, but there's a, there's a few other things as well. Their public support for environmental causes, uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, and other th- things about social media and, and ability to influence and engage. So, you know, you can argue the toss as to whether all that stuff is um, is a is an appropriate objective uh, yardstick. But nonetheless, pushing all that aside, the list, the most marketable athlete in the world, Lionel Messi, probably not controversial. LeBron James shortly thereafter. But soon we get into the well, sorry, next third place we get into. Uh, female football players, and I think this is the real one of the real standout features of the, of the top fifty most marketable athletes in the world, according to Sports Pro Media, is the presence of uh, the female football player, which obviously surely can't be an accident, uh, and maybe is a sugar hit, Jono, uh, as a consequence of the the football world cup. But Alex Morgan, uh, so she's number three. She's yeah, she's USA. Now, number four, anyone want to attempt this surname? I don't really follow the NBA, so I'm... Just call him Giannis. Well, I, I, I presume most yeah. people do, yeah. Um, uh, no, they don't. He's Giannis. Giannis. <laughs> Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Ah, oh, damn, I would have got that right. I've watched that a lot, but he's just Giannis. Giannis. Yeah, so Jono does, definitely yeah. doesn't follow the uh, the NBA, NBA either. Um, Megan Rapinoe, Rapino, I never get that right either. Meg Rapinoe. That's Rapinoe. Rapinoe. Yeah. yeah, she's number five. Another female in number six, uh, Michaela Schifrin, who I had to do a little bit of research on, but judging by the beanie in the article, I thought maybe it's winter sports. Apparently she's one of the best alpine skiers ever. Number six, though. Number six, it's interesting, isn't it? It's a surprise. <clears throat> so ahead of... Well, ahead of NFL players, ahead of Lewis Hamilton, who comes in at number seven. So again, uh, another Roger Federer. I mean, I guess he's not playing yeah. much anymore. Roger who? Djokovic. Yeah. Well, Djokovic comes up soon, but Hamilton. I mean, number seven. And another interesting thing about the list for mine is the prevalence or the 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 up the ranking for F one drivers. And I think again, that's the drive to survive effect, no doubt, kicking. In. I was talking to someone only yesterday who's become a fan purely because of that show. Yes, Steve-O? Look, like a lot of things like this, a lot of it comes down to the formula. Yeah. So when you talk about the brand strength, total addressable market and economics, if you just compare Lewis Hamilton to Michaela Schifrin, it's got his total addressable market as only a 36 out of 45. So at least according to Sports Pro Media, they don't see F1 as having as big a reach as Alpine, Alpine skiing. skiing, which they had as like you know forty was it forty four right, okay. out of forty five, which which is ridiculous. Yeah. So um, you know, I think there's yeah you know, the, the the and the economic score for Lewis Hamilton is is miles higher. It's the total addressable market that skewed mm. Michaela above his. So I've got a few questions with the with the approach. well back to Tam as it's known in um, certain corporate circles, as you'd be aware, Steve. Total addressable market. 
Uh, it's not just, yeah, it's things like social media sentence, uh, sentiment, I beg your pardon, audience engagement uh, and sponsor sport and team awareness. So, you know, sport awareness, I suppose that feeds into your query. But I think the total addressable market does take into account uh, people's social media reach. Uh, so, and look, you know, I'm loath to say this out loud, but um, Michaela's a reasonably well-presented young lady, um, so she might attract a lot of a lot of attention from a lot of people. Lewis Hamilton yep. is listening to this podcast right now, going, "Do you know how much this caftan costs?" <laughs> and good, uh, good to see Sam Kerr in the top fifty. Yeah, <clears> I was actually a bit surprised she was so low. Yeah, yeah. forty-seven was it? I knew she was down down the, the list a bit. I was a bit surprised by that, given her profile and her capabilities. Obviously, Aussie lens. Uh, maybe we exaggerate where she sits, but um, but maybe marketability. Um, oh, no, 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 because we've got other female soccer players well above her. Yeah, another Max Verstappen, 10. So Djokovic, Jono at 11. Uh, Coco Graf, another tennis player, obviously, at 12. Another NBA player, Steph Curry, 13, etc., etc., etc. Well, how far do we, down do we have to go, Jono, to find a golf, uh, golfer, actually? Uh, McElroy would be up there, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Top 20? Uh, no, no. 29. There you go. But... Um, Quite a healthy proportion of female athletes uh, in this list. It's good to see, Richie. Yeah, a few football <clears throat> players. Not too many NFL players, actually, and not too many um, U.S. sporting, uh, U.S. athletes, uh, other well, than female football players, I beg your pardon. I, I, I just want to notice one that Simon brought up two weeks ago in his red card, yellow card, which was yeah. Travis Kelt. Oh, yeah. Is it number 35? 35 NIT with a bullet. With a bullet. I think it's only gone up since then. I think the data they relied on for this uh, stopped at sort of maybe August of, of 2023, which he, predates the relationship. Top, top 10 now. Oh, comfortably. With mm. a bullet. Now, I want to talk about Netflix. Netflix, what an interesting beast. So for quite a few years now, the sports industry has waited with bated breath to see when and how the Fang companies – I always never I never get all five. Uh, not Foxtel. What's the – Facebook, Thank Amazon. you, Facebook. <laughs> I I was expecting to fall at the fifth, actually. No, Google. Jeez, Google. Thank you. And N is Netflix. So, you know, how are these big companies who've got deep, deep pockets, deep reserves of cash? Surely it's only a matter of time before they completely disrupt the sports viewing landscape, or so the thinking went. Well, I mean, by and large, we're still waiting, notwithstanding, I suppose, the biggest foray being Apple's deal, exclusive deal with uh, Major League Soccer. Uh, and a couple of nibbles at NFL packages. Now, Netflix, as you know, most people would be aware, has taken the, the behind-the-scenes doco route and, and with considerable success, right? So Drive to Survive, Formula One, Full Swing for, for Golf. Beckham. Uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, there's, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a growing list, and, and they're all, by and large, been very well received. But it has now branched out into live sport. Now, what sport have they decided to shell out? Billions to broadcast, I hear you ask. Well, not so fast. So... What they've done is created their own event, taking the characters, if that's the right word, from Drive to Survive and Full Swing and put them on a golf course in competition. Now, Jono, maybe a show that we can finally both be interested in. Look, I think it's clearly been dreamt up just to force you to watch a little bit of golf and me to watch or to be interested in Formula One. Um, I mean, the... Couple of interesting things out of this. First of all, you know the format. So it's going to be four pairs, so a Formula One driver and a golfer, um, going up against each other. There are some actually pretty good Formula One drivers who play golf. So mm. you know I, I think they'll be able to handle themselves. 
But I think from a business sense, and Riles, you'll, you'll no doubt have a view on this, I think it's interesting because there's been this thing called the Hollywood writer's strike and actor strike oh, for, yeah. an, uh, for, what, six months or so. Yeah. I reckon some of these com- companies are struggling for right. content. Yeah. And so looking for content, you know, how do they monetize it? Here Let's we go. look at these sports stars. Uh, I've got to say, I'm struggling with this a little bit. Uh, I just feel, I, I feel like we've, we've had a few uh, made-for-television golf events, you know, the, the match, um, you know, a, a few things that have set up, and, and they've just died away. It, it's, this, to me, feels like it's reaching. I'll, I'll be delighted to be surprised. I don't think the two of you will watch. I think Simon right. will think there's not enough good golf, and you'll think, well, these guys aren't it's driving a, a car. Yep, that's right. So um, I'm, I'm not there. I think this one's going to fail, but they've got to try stuff, and here they go. Yep. Look, I mean, you're, you're onto something there, Riles. Frankly, I'm more interested in the second series when presumably they'll suit golfers up in Formula One cars. <laughs> uh, moving on in the shootout, uh, while, the cat, while the cat that is the NRL is away, the mouse that is the AFL comes to play or so it seems, that in response to Rugby League nicking off to Vegas for a week or so in March 2024 to open their season, the Aussie Rules crowd now apparently are looking at doing a blockbuster early split round held in Sydney. No Rugby League. The open season, the, the, the fort, they've left the fort door open. The moat, no, no, what is it? The drawbridge is down. Rugby League's not looking, they're overseas, and Aussie Rules have sneakily come to Sydney and, and host, and uh, I think they're putting on, oh, I'm not sure which team is playing which, but I think Collingwood and Melbourne are in the frame to come up to Sydney, and uh, yeah, I think the yeah, AFL is actually right. bringing forward the start of their season just to capitalise on this opportunity. A bit, fair bit of rivalry here, isn't there? I mean, there's huge four-story billboards and ads that are already up in Vegas where the NRL are advertising itself as, you know, Australia's biggest sport unleashed in mm. Vegas. So that's apparently got a few AFL noses out of joint. <laughs> Jeff Kennett was huffing and puffing in the press recently, I think. Uh, it's all a bit of banter. It's great. Good marketing. Um, I just want to know, are any of us going to actually get across to Vegas? It's March 2 next year. No, no. I don't have leave passes for that, I don't think. I don't know. I'm tempted. Well, we'll be going to the Grand Prix. We're going to the Grand Prix like the week be- weekend before. It'd be a big couple of weeks. Although, did, <laughs> did you say? Sorry, just go back to that. Did you say out loud to me at that dude at Bears Bears Place, Formula Four and against mm. panelist uh, David Bear Gill? Did you say when we go to the Grand Prix, you you probably won't watch the race. You go and play golf instead. Is Not that on for the real? Day. Not on the day itself. Okay. No, I might play right in the morning. Yeah. But yeah, what okay. time's the race start? Oh, it's mid to late, Arvo. Yeah, like, I might three ish, four ish. Yeah. Hopefully, I get there. You might make it. Yeah. You know how much we pay for those tickets? <laughs> I'll be there. Far out. Yes, folks, for and against uh, doing the Grand Prix uh, in March. It should be amusing. Looking forward to the show both before and after that event. Uh, yes, yeah, so look, well done, the AFL, for muscling in on rugby league territory. Very opportunistic, but good on them. And finally, in red card, yellow card, it's not sport, but we like it. Uh, now, look, many a kid, grown up or otherwise, would be familiar with the Nerf gun. So, you know, a little sort of soft bullets firing at kids and there must, I don't, know, I don't know how many eyes have been lost to those things. They look harmless, but I'm sure they're not. Now, so Hasbro, which is a way of saying they're actually a problem in our house at the moment. So Hasbro, who owns the brand, have taken their marketing of these Nerf guns and other Nerf products uh, to the next level. Now, no doubt having seen kids trying to hit each other with these things, as goes on in my household, Hasbro in September uh, held an exhibition game using their product. They recruited US college kids, leveraged the reach, inverted commas, of those kids, 
and went for the buzz of a younger audience. Now, it's unclear to me at this point how the event went. I'd love to say Hasbro didn't comment uh, in time for you know publication, but I didn't actually reach out. But they are wanting to make it an annual sporting event and not just a one-off activation, as they say in marketing terms. Now, um, unlike myself, you two both have brothers and indeed younger brothers at that. Was the was the Nerf gun part of your childhood uh, at all, John? Are you staring at the ceiling like it might not be? A little, little bit. Little no, bit. Not, not massively. Riles? The Nerf gun, was it? it uh... Yeah, look, to be honest, we had some fear of eyes and, and stuff, but we, yeah. we certainly Sensible found parents. a safe space mm-hmm. and, and used it for target practice, but less at each other. So this is interesting, right? So this is it's essentially a marketing play, even though they're sort of saying it's not, but they're creating their own sporting event with their product with a view of getting it out on there on TV or YouTube like or what have you. It's it's pretty interesting, isn't it? So, Roz, have you struck this kind of thing before, which, which is, you know, creating a sport as a blatant marketing ploy? Well, I think it's got a better better chance than Formula One and golf mixed together. But yeah. it's not it's not a pure Nerf battle the way that you've just uh, suggested. Oh, Paul. you found out more, did you? Like, I was trying to. Do like, go on. It's not like paintball. It's it's uh. this weird combo of of well, I suppose paintball and basketball. There there are balls that are being trying to be put into a basket somewhere while you're being shot at. Oh, good grief! So you can, you know, you say it. Uh, yeah, maybe it could work, but no, I think it's very manual. Combination of dodgeball and basketball, or you know, slam ball. Do you remember or talking paintball? Yeah, a bit of that. Do you remember us talking about slam ball? I think that fitted into the "it's not sport, we like it." It's ba- basketball on trampolines. Yes, do you remember us talking yeah. about that? A little bit of I that. I think there's a little bit of Quidditch here as well. Quidditch. Yeah. Why not? Bit of everything. Uh, it's sounding like sounding like a bit of a um, a bitza of a sport. But, if there was but one. Paul, if you do want to know more, you can chase it down on TikTok. Right, that would explain why I didn't find it. I'll, I'll, I'll take your advice on board, Riles. Thank you very much. And lastly, on For and Against, we switch to Red Card, Yellow Card, where we enjoy poking fun at sporting types who've erred uh, off the field of play. And uh, we like putting the spotlight back on their erroneous ways for a bit of a chuckle. Uh, Stephen Riley, what do you have as your nomination for Red Card, Yellow Card? Look, I think over the years, over the what, decade plus we've been running Red Card, Yellow Card, yeah. we have had a few people who have a very good claim to potential naming rights yeah. for Red Card, Yellow Card. And over the years, we've, we've, we have thought about uh, sticking with naming rights, but this guy has to be a big chance. Bernie Eccleston. Ah, uh, Bernie. Ber- Bernie is back. The ex-Formula One Supremo has... Uh, well, I, I, I love the way this has been reported in the press, actually. He's been spared an immediate prison sentence after mm. he pleaded guilty to misleading uh, the tax department in the UK. Just just get this. He misled them about overseas assets worth more than £400 million. And, and apparently owning up to that got him out of a jail sentence. <laughs> and... I t- I tell you, what does it take to go to jail these days when you mislead the tax department? Well, he probably didn't. He pay a, a, a massive fine. Like this is not the first time he said, "Oh yeah, sorry about that." And look, here's here's half a billion dollars to to go away or something. You know. He's also he's ninety two, isn't he? He's an old he fella. Is. Yeah, he is. He was he look. Is. He was, he was running good. Formula One up until five years ago. Sorry, Steve. Six. Oh, I just don't think that many in the public would feel sorry for uh, a guy getting put in jail for uh, you know just a couple of hundred million pounds. 
Look, he probably forgot they were in the Cayman Islands. Anyone can, it can happen to anyone. You know. Oh, sorry, <laughs> anyway. four hundred million pounds. Oh, yeah, I forgot oh, about that. It's in, it's in my other wallet. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, so yellow for Bernie. Is that what you're saying? Uh, look, I'd rather give him a red if that's right. If he, okay. if he doesn't have to go to jail, he deserves a red. We will can we can send him to four and against jail with a red oh, card. Here we go. Paul. That'll learn him. Jono, what about you, mate? Well, Richie, uh, my nomination this show goes to an English football manager whose team was recently knocked out of the FA Cup. Mm. Uh, so his name is Mark White. He's the manager and part owner of the non-league side, the Dorking Wanderers. Dorking. Dorking. Do you know where Dorking is? What? A, uh, in England. It no, is, yeah. I, I, I south don't. of Surrey. <laughs> south of what, sorry? Surrey. Oh, okay, right here. Dorking, what a great word. Do you remember when... In, an insult back in the 90s was dork. Such a dork, yeah. Well, Is there a connection? Is well, this part of... The no, dork sorry. and wanderers are affectionately known as the dorks oh, by right. their fans. So there you go. Like there was a guy, remember Justin, who was just known as the dork? It's the a dork. dork. Hey, yeah. dork. Yeah, I hope he's true. okay. I hope you're okay, Justin, having been called that for six years. Sorry, mate. These dorks had <laughs> just lost 2-0 to fellow non-league side Horsham. And believe it or not, there were TV cameras there at this non-league game oh, yeah. to interview a very upset coach, Mark White, after the game. And his responses to some of the interview questions have since gone viral. And it's just technically a family show. Is this going to get sure. a bit blue? Could get a bit blue. I, I don't know. Whether just, just... We're not on the ABC anymore, Simon. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Look, we'll just see how we go. My mum listens, John. I don't forget that. All right. Sorry, Carol. <laughs> block, block your ears, Carol. Now's not the time to listen. <laughs> Today was, and just imagine this being sent in a, said in a Surrey accent. Today was wholeheartedly a bunch of players that were absolutely shit. White said, "I will always put my hand up. I'd be the first to take the blame. I ain't taking the blame for that shower of shit. They get told when they do well, and that's how life works. Anyone who go to, goes down that ridiculous thing of oh, don't slag the players, the fucking players get Oof. paid. They should do a great job. If they don't do a effing great job, they should at least go down <laughs> fighting." He added that his players were most likely going to get fined to F for their performance. Some of them showed that when the going gets tough, they don't get tough with it. They get going. That's going to be a short career for them at my club and our club. All I can do is apologise on behalf of the players and the management team for a team not to turn up in the FA Cup is scandalous. Did you introduce censorship halfway through it or did he actually say effing? No, he said the other one. The naughty word. Yeah. Right. Interesting how you, you brought self-censorship in there. How well, I just I was thinking of Carol. She might have started yeah. unblocking her ears. Yeah, Mrs. Roach. Yeah. Sorry, Mrs. Yeah. Roach. Good point. Good point. Uh, so that's, is that yellow or is that it's red territory? blue card, I think. Ah, yeah. blue card. Oh, clever. Nice. Yes, very ah. good. Very good. Look, my one's, a, my one's kind of a big deal, i got to say. Uh, at the recent Cricket World Cup in India, the England team had what can only be described as a wardrobe malfunction. No, they didn't actually flash their private parts, Jono, settle down. It was way worse than that. Due to an error at a third-party printer, quote-unquote, according to their uh, their kit supplier, uh, said kit supplier, whose name escapes me, starts with C, delivered playing kits for the opening match of the Cricket World Cup that had, wait for it, different fonts. No. And in some cases, different sizes of, <gasps> of, of lettering. I know. Players' names, sponsors' names. It was a complete unmitigated disaster. No wonder they had such a rubbish start to the tournament. I didn't notice it myself, for the record, but I thought it sat nicely within red card, yellow card. So that is my nomination. The third-party printer and England Point of order. Yeah. Yeah. Is this on the field of play? Oh, well. The printing happened off the field. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. It's a a picking of a nit there, Riles, but I see your point. It's a fair one. But no, I think it relates to off-field behaviour. 
it just happened to um, the end result became visible on the field of play. Yeah. Anyway, so um, look, clearly a yellow card to this uh, it's a light unnamed, unnamed a light printer. Yeah. yeah, but no, I just thought there was the fact it was actually reported as something even vaguely relevant was uh, was worthy of nomination. <laughs> there you go, font size and uh, different different fonts themselves mm. scraped in a red card, yellow card. Uh, so with that that world beating and highly important <laughs> red card, yellow card. <laughs> segment. You, how are you underwhelmed by your own red card, yellow card? <laughs> I just thought it was good because it was so petty and so pedantic. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just... Right up your alley. Thanks, John. I'll take that as a compliment, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Uh, Without riveting red card, yellow card, is that better, Ross? It leaves us with a simple task to say goodbye. See you later, Stephen Riley. See you, Paul. See you, Simon. See you, everyone. Fare thee well, Jono. See you, Rochi. And it's goodbye from me once again from Paul Roach. Uh, Don't forget, get us on the socials at Against. Twitter, or X as they call it these days, uh, on Insta, for, dot, and, dot, against. But until we do all this again in about a fortnight's time, it's bye for now.